How do real estate professionals like you, who have dozens of different responsibilities and competing priorities, win at the game of real estate? And how do we build a business while selling our services and finding a group of people that will allow us to change and grow intentionally and relevantly so we keep up with the rapidly evolving real estate market? And how do we do this in a way that's authentic to the life we each want to live, where we want to live it, and in a way that honors our true gifts and core values? We are all at different stages in our journey, but we all have many things to learn from each other. And that is why we started this podcast. My name is Megan Marsh. And I am Andre Munar. And this is the Collab Podcast, where we will be speaking with different real estate industry business leaders and how they're staying relevant, shifting, and pivoting their business so that you can learn new ways to adapt to your business and how you can stay relevant. We are two business partners of a mortgage brokers that seven years ago decided we needed and wanted to change the way we did business, change what our business looked like and who we served. We realized if we were ever gonna get out of the grind and have a bigger impact in our industry, in our communities, and with our employees and for our clients and business relationships that we served, we needed to begin evolving and changing and we believe so do you. We teach people how much stronger we all can be if we work together, not against one another. We want to encourage all of you to learn from one another in a way that ensures financial growth and security for more of us out there. Real estate industry leaders are those of you that make the dream of home ownership a reality to so many Americans, no matter which role you play. You could be a real estate agent, a team leader, a broker, a mortgage loan officer, a mortgage broker, an appraiser, a title agent, an insurance agent, how do you build a solid business with predictable income? A business that also allows you to travel and be there for your family and leave a legacy. How do you continuously change and evolve in this game of real estate? Becoming relevant is the name of the game. It's also the question, and this podcast is gonna give you the answers. So I have a question for anyone listening that is in the real estate industry, realtors, loan officers, title agents, are you a recruiter or is recruiting part of your responsibilities? Should recruiting be top of mind for you? If you are going to change the episode because it isn't in your job description to recruit or you don't have, you know, you haven't been in business long enough to recruit, just stick with me here because you might be missing a really important activity or mindset shift that is going to set you up for success later down the road. I'm excited today, collaborators. I'm flying solo, but being joined by someone that is going to share a new perspective that we haven't had on the show yet. Richard is an accomplished speaker, author, podcast host, strategist, and recruiting coach. Uh, as a leader, Richard Milligan, he has built 21 teams. That's just insane to me uh, in the mortgage industry. Uh, Richard speaks at leadership events throughout the U.S., helping leaders understand how to become the best recruiters possible. And he has a podcast that I would highly recommend you check out. It, it's not just on recruiting. Some of the, the fundamentals are just fantastic for building culture. Um, it's called Recruiting Conversations, and it regularly tops iTunes top 100 inside um, their marketing category. 
He is the creator of Recruiting Made Simple, 12-week intensive coaching program, which is where we met. And that program takes recruiting leaders through the process of building a personal recruiting system. And he also, it looks like, has a book. We'll have to ask him this if it's out, if it's coming out. It's called The Attractive Leader. Um, and it lays out a simple plan for leaders who recruit to dominate their market. He currently lives in Oklahoma, where he runs a speaking, coaching, consulting business under 4C Recruiting. So without waiting any further, hi, Richard. Are you here with me? Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Megan. Yes, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So much rather have, have our conversation. People who listen to our show, you know, we've talked about some of the crazy things that have happened in the past that we've worked through and you were a part of that. Anytime you're coaching someone, you just, you just never know what, what season it's going to be <laughs> and what they're going to be going through. And I had uh, someone message me already this morning and say, I need an hour with you. And I feel like I need a therapist more than I need a recruiting coach right now. And so uh, <laughs> I've had more true. tears shed in coaching sessions than most people would probably uh, ever imagine. I can imagine because when people start to level up, I find when they start doing things for themselves, for their own like personal business, sometimes there's just there's certain places that don't like that. Right. No doubt. And and ultimately, when you're coaching someone, the only way you can really sit kind of open handed and receive something is if you're willing to be authentic and vulnerable and transparent in, in where you are and what your challenges are. And look, life is hard. I had a wise man that once told me once, he said, anything worth having in this life, you're going to have to fight for it. And so when someone shows up and is wanting to grow and build something, a lot of times it is a struggle. It's a fight. And the in the between of all of the being human, um, you know, it, uh, it's a it's a challenge. So it's normal. Yeah. And I find usually those challenges end up it makes everything so much more worth it afterwards. A hundred percent. I can't think of anything that I have in this life that's worth having that hasn't been a challenge. <laughs> right. And so, you know, my goal today, I always like to think of things differently. I know you do is I want to share with real estate mortgage industry professionals, just the importance of recruiting to the real estate or mortgage business in building teams, even if they aren't quite yet in a recruiting role. So could you maybe share with everyone what what is a recruiting leader? Because I don't think many people see themselves as this title, even when they might be. When I started the coaching in 2017, one of the things that I realized is that leaders, like our identity is incredibly powerful. Who we believe we are, who we think we are is incredibly powerful. And I realized that a lot of leaders that really set in roles where they should be recruiting weren't recruiting because they had never fully embraced the identity of being a leader who recruited. So, you know, I come from the mortgage industry and what's very normal is that a branch manager or a market leader, if you ask them the question, and we did over 700 surveys last year, when you ask them the question, um, what percentage of their role is recruiting, you'd be blown away by how small of a number they actually come up with. I mean, I have divisionals who probably should be a 70, 80% of their role is recruiting that would say less than 1% of their role is recruiting. So I created a framework. I just called it the recruiting leader and I made that up. But what to me, the recruiting leader is it's a leader who manages the team, but then is also responsible for recruiting to that team. 
And what the data shows in most industries is that somewhere between 80 and 90% of the people that end up on that team come directly through that leader. They don't come through a recruiter. They don't come through an HR department. They don't come from an internal external recruiter, either one. They literally come through that market leader. And so that would be a real estate broker would be a perfect example of a recruiting leader, a yep. uh, branch manager, area manager, regional manager, divisional manager, and a lot of industries on the sales side are recruiting leaders. Right. And do you agree? Because I think of my journey before, you know, I was a loan officer who did a lot of volume, a lot of business. And before I started building a team, I was building relationships with other loan officers. I didn't see them as competition. And that really played a big part in my success when I did start building a team. So, you know, what is your opinion on people who maybe are just themselves now, like how they should look at, you know, are they a recruiting leader, a recruiting leader in training? Well, I think it's important to have vision for where you want to go. Everyone ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose is something that I've heard said before. Mm. And, and, and so, I mean, one of the things we work with leaders on is actually identifying as much their team vision, what they want to build and where they want to go. But what's your personal vision of where you want to go? And one of the, one of the frameworks for this that I work with when I'm coaching someone is let's go out in a 10 year window, because if you go out to, you know, 2032, that's a 10 year window. It really seems like anything's possible now. And, you know, Tony Robbins, I was a young man when I remember Tony Robbins saying something. He said that we, we accomplish less than what we think we're going to accomplish in the year. We accomplish more than what we think we can accomplish in the decade. And one of the challenges for us is that when we're really thinking about vision is that a lot of times we've operated in a box, the corporate box, the company box, the market box, our own box for so long that we've forgotten to actually dream around where we want to go. And so a challenge for a leader is saying like 2032. Where do I want to be then? And then you, if when you, when you, if it is, I want to have a team and I want to be number one in this market and I want to recruit the best salespeople. You never get there without you, the individual, growing yourself up. So I, I look in the mirror every single day, and one of my daily affirmations is this: is that the current version of Richard is not even hireable by the 10-year better version of Richard. And, and when you have a 10-year vision as an individual and you mm -hmm. look in the mirror and go, if I'm going to get there, I am the ceiling on this. Like I'm the only roadblock that I have. Suddenly it starts to open the door when people would say, well, I do want to lead. And I want to lead in this specific industry. A lot of times it means that, well, then you better grow and you better start preparing because when you get there, it isn't you just don't go to da and it happens. Right. Yep. It isn't picking up the phone and calling people. We have to become a person of value before we try to become a person of success. And, and we that. miss that framework because I to become a that. person of value, you have to become more valuable. Right. How do you become more valuable? Personal growth, honing your skill set, learning yep. new things, right? Building systems like You've got to become a person of value to become a person of success. And I think historically that hasn't been the framework. Historically, we've been able to become a person of success without being a person of value. But today, when you look at where you can go to get free value, Google, YouTube, tools like Udemy, like uh, external coaching, like reading. I mean, you can listen to five books in the next 24 hours if you want to. Right. It's like so leaders have to understand that 20 years ago. A person of success was seen as a person of value, but today that equation is completely different because I can find a path, I can solve the problem, I can create a new idea, 
without you a lot of times. And so for us as leaders, we have to be dynamic and we got to be growing. And so that we look, come back to this moment, we go, well, maybe I don't have a team right now, but if I'm clear on my 10 year vision and the 10 year vision aligns with actually leading a team in an industry where I've got to be able to recruit and grow, then you start the journey like now. Right. No, I, I absolutely agree. And there's a very little that out there that teaches those of us who are leaders or want to be leaders, how to do recruiting correctly. And so, or if people, you said, you know, they might spend 1% of their time or even 5% or 10%. What advice would you give someone listening about using their time, their relationships and opportunities to prepare themselves for recruiting? Like if you're someone who's always been putting out there customer facing information and posts, right? For example, and like, how do you do that pivot to then talk to loan officers or real estate agents, uh, you know, that are very different than the customers we talk to? Well, we're, we're um, on August 19th, we're launching a guide that's associated with the book. And the book is Dominating Recruiting in a Digital World. And we're going to do an NFT project with that, which will be a really cool part of that. It'll be uh, in tandem with the launch of the book. And so when we start talking about like, you know, relationships and opportunities, I immediately think of the digital world today because the mm -hmm. average American is now spending 147 minutes per day in social media. Wow. And, and one of the things that we've been able to prove in our own journey. So in 2019, we started a uh, full branding service for executive leaders because we saw a direct connection between the digital world and recruiting success. And no one else that, that we knew of was really seeing this where Top producers in an industry now are about 75% of them say they're self-selecting their next opportunity. They're not even being solicited. Mm. They're self-select, they're self-selecting. And one of the reasons why that holds true is that by the year 2025, 75% of the workforce will be millennials. And, and when you think about the millennial, I mean, you, you know, these platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, they came, they started coming to fruition around 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006. And so you fast forward to 2009, well, that's when Facebook took over MySpace as the number one platform. And, and so a millennial has really grown up understanding social proof where I'm 49 and how I was raised, my dad said, look people in the eye, give them a firm handshake and project your voice well and people will trust you, right? But in the era that we're in, your ability to represent yourself in social well is directly connected to what the equivalency of that, which is social proof. Mm -hmm. And that's what we trust today. And so like when you're talking about investing time and building relationships and expanding on opportunities to prepare for recruiting, then you better be thinking the digital world. And one of the easiest frameworks is this. I go back to 2017 when I said, I'm going to post on all these platforms every single day moving forward and really start acting like a media company first versus just someone who's spontaneously combusting into an idea. And I recognized that I really felt this pressure now to post daily with something that made me like the thought leader of recruiting. And I think a lot of people, they kind of, they're like, I got to become a thought leader. I've got to have important things to say. Mm. And ultimately these platforms, what they do is they just humanize us. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we're the more human you are on these platforms, the more connectable you are. And human maybe, like everyone says, you know, people put up their, what do they call it? Like their best moments. Does that mean being human? Is it also showing some of those bad moments? 
it's really, I like the framework of you should be curating content, not creating content. And when you think about curation, curation says it already exists. I just need to identify and document it. Mm-hmm. So as, as someone who's on the journey of like, if you're not recruiting right now and you're like, how do I prepare for the future to be that recruiter? Okay. You're the journey you're taking to become someone, to become something right. To grow yourself. You simply curate that journey. Like I've got three books right now within arm's reach. I could curate any one of those pages. I could curate even holding the book up by hand. And I'm, I'm, it's what I'm already doing. I'm curating content, not creating it. And that's the challenge. Like even today, I don't create content. I curate it. I mean, like I use a lot of my coaching sessions to take a little snippet of myself where I've got a 90 second blurb that I'm saying something and I use it for content. I'm not creating it. I'm curating it. Right. So I think we, we overcomplicate this, but ultimately humanizing yourself in the digital world is where you're really, if you're willing to invest there, you're really preparing for future recruiting success. And I love all of that and watching what you've done in your podcast is excellent. It, you know, so much of it is on the stuff we're talking about right now, values and, you know, your vision, because it, that's important to people that they connect with someone that is, you know, that has those same values. If you're a recruiting leader and you've embraced that role or for people who one day know, I want to, you know, build a team, like, what are they looking for? What types of people help when you are building a team in recruiting since you've done it did I say 15 teams? What was it? 21? Yeah. Yeah. I built 21 teams oh in the mortgage gosh. industry. That's and, exhausting. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you got to find something that you love doing, I think one of the key things to loving something is being good at it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of times people would think, well, they're just naturally gifted. And I have learned over the years um, that because I, I mean, last year I had um, someone who recruited 87 loan officers without any recruiting support. Someone who recruited 85 with recruiting support. I had a real estate team that coach that recruited 290 real estate agents that fit what I call their perfect avatar. And when we talk about avatar, which is really important because it's, it's a, it's aligned with your question. Mm-hmm. The avatar is who do I want on my team? Right? Like too many times people just recruit to recruit. They recruit to grow. And, and we always say, like, when in our coaching, we want to help a recruiting leader live the ideal life and lifestyle. And to me, the ideal life and lifestyle represents five things. I want to do what I love with people that I love while making a greater difference, while being fairly compensated, while having time to spend with people that matter most. And I go back to number two, that. with who I love. You can break that entire equation and make all of it not worth anything if you're not doing business with people that you enjoy doing business with. And so when you're clear on your avatar of who you're trying to recruit, and this is this is apropos to across lots of different, the loan officer looking to build relationships with real estate agents, the real estate agents wanting to partner with loan officers, the small business owner in the community that's trying to grow their business, go find people that fits your avatar because then you never have to work a day in your life. You show up and you can't wait to serve. Where the disconnect comes is where there's misalignment in the avatar. And and the avatar to me is like, what are our values? That's part of it. There's other parts of it. Like how many places have you worked in the last decade? If you've worked at eight places in 10 years, you're probably not going to meet my loyalty score. So you're not in my avatar. (laughs) Man, if if you're not a good producer and you do this part time, man, one of my core values is hard work. That just bothers me. Like, it's okay, but you're not going to work on my team because my team is always all in. We act with urgency and we activate at a high level. 
And I just found that like aligning my business opportunity with someone who actually is part-timing it, it just is a diminishment of energy. It's constantly pulling away from and detracting from. And so we'd always start with saying, who am I? Not who do I want? Who am I? Right? Because like my values should dictate who I'm trying to actually bring to my team. And that simple clarity right there, what it does is it allows us now to, when you attract those kind of people, to actually for this to be fun and for you to actually be building something that's worth building. And if you don't, it'll constantly be this revolving door, people coming in, people coming out, people coming in, people coming out. Yeah. And, and, and that actually brings up a good point because I listened to one of your episodes actually recently, because as a leader, it's our company, for example, and our team, we hadn't had a single person leave in years since, you know, we became a broker again since 2019. And recently, you know, we had, you know, we had to let some people go or we had a person or two who left, which is a really hard thing. But you've talked about before that it's something, you know, how do you look at that as a leader, knowing that you're not, everyone's not going to be with you forever? Yeah, that's, I mean, you start looking at the employment day, the average American uh, stays somewhere between three and four years, depending on what, you know, age bracket you fall into. And so you will lose people. Seasons, common seasons go. I've just learned over the years that I'm just a link in a chain. And, um, and some people come and stay with you forever. And some people will be there for a season and they're gone. But I love um, leave, just this idea of like leaving people better for the encounter, leaving people better for the time that they spent with you. I've had I've actually let people go that came back while, as a coach and have asked me to coach them that I was actually responsible for terminating them. And right. and so you as a leader, you stay true to your values and you just have to embrace the fact that some people will come and they'll want more. and You won't be able to offer them more. Sometimes you don't have that more opportunity to give them. And they need, they have to go somewhere else on their journey. And so that's just part of it. Being a leader is you embrace that part, find joy in being able to be a contributor to them getting where they want to go. And I think that is part of this is going to be as a leader, you've got to understand the big dream. Like, where do people want to go? Like ask yourself as a leader right now, the team that the current team that you have, if you're already building a team, do I know where they want to be in the next decade? Do I know the things they want to accomplish in that next decade? And if you can't externally process through that right now, then you need to be asking that question. Because if you want to, as much as it's a recruiting question, as much as it's a retention question, I never had anybody else ask me that question. Hey, Milligan, where do you want to be over the next 10 years? What what would get you excited in 2032 if you've accomplished X? No one's ever asked me that question. The leader that can ask that question and gets a, gets the answer, the real answer from it, that's, that can come alongside that person and help them accomplish that dream, that leader is at another level in terms of being able to recruit and being able to retain. No, I love that. And because that's what everyone wants. They want to connect with people who are going to help them get to what they want, what, you know, where they want and what they want. And and think about it. There have been seasons. You've been in seasons just like I've been in seasons where the dream hasn't been that clear. Yeah. Like like, like if somebody would pause me in some seasons and go, where do you want to be in 10 years? I would have been like, I don't know. Like (laughs) I want I want to make a good paycheck next month. Right. (laughs) I want to get this problem solved. I'm in the middle of right now. Like, I don't know. So any leader that comes alongside and says, well, that's okay. Let's talk about it. Like 2032, how old would you, how old will your kids be? Well, Haven's nine right now. Haven will be 19. Holy cow. You'll be an empty nester in 10 years. 
Oh my yep. gosh, I haven't thought about that. Right. The leader who's willing to come alongside me and be have enough interest in me to unpack that with me. Like, I mean, I find with my kids, I've got four children that a lot of times, you know, what they think is available. Like if I go to Haven, my nine-year-old and say, Hey, where do you want to go this weekend? She'd probably say, I want to stay home and ride my horse. She doesn't know that there's other possibilities out there. And as mm -hmm. leaders, if we can come alongside people and inspire them and help and help foster the dream, we get credit for being that person in their life that makes us more valuable. That's part of that being a person of value, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so the person who resurfaces it, where are you at uh, in relationship to that? How can I help you? Here's an idea I wanted to share that I came across. And sometimes these things are little. Sometimes people, their big dream in 10 years is to build a lake house, right? And to have it on a specific location. And it's my job as a leader to continue to cultivate that simple dream to make sure they get there. That's how we retain people today. And that could be doing things that aren't maybe specific to their job, but as a person, if it's being, you know, helping them financially save money, like, you know, giving, right. Giving them the Absolutely. tools to do that. I've bought, I've had a, a person on my team that had that dream before, and I've bought a magazine of the properties around that lake and given it to them as a gift to just say, Hey, I wanted to get this to you. I've made phone calls to real estate agents to find out what the local, uh, links are for the properties at that lake so I can pass those along. It's like these are little bitty pieces of time and energy as a leader that matter a lot. And then what we what we forget, Megan, is I don't need you on my team to be able to do these things for you, with you. I don't you don't have to be in the walls of my office. Who says that if I don't unpack that specific dream, like you want to build a cabin one day that I don't that I can buy a I can buy a subscription to Cabin Magazine for a year and send it to you, even though you're on the outside. Ultimately, recruiting in its finest is showing people on the outside what it's like to be on the inside while they're still on the outside. It's so true. And it's so interesting, too, now from talking to you a couple of years ago before I even thought about all of this and building a team to the conversations now that I have with people that, you know, we reach out to and and how our business has evolved to match a lot of that. You're probably having more fun now today, right? <laughs> oh, we're having a lot more fun. <laughs> we're having a lot more fun today. And um, I think a lot of times, once again, it comes back to like the fear thing and, okay, someone's going to leave. Well, that was where for Andre and I, we ended up building a course for people to open their own business. So when we talk to loan officers and we're like, hey, if the, you know, and, and they hear that, well, that's a, if that's a dream of theirs and they know it's okay. And we have given them permission to do that at some point, it, it's just a whole new relationship and conversation. No doubt. And no so, doubt. yeah, it, it's been so neat and just having, you know, and it matches our values. And it was when we started coaching with you that you had us start going through our values because nobody had done that before. And values are, I think, the core of everything. Like you might act differently. You might get to the point, like the same point in different ways. But if your values match, you know, you're going to make decisions in very similar ways. Yeah, we always call it always one of the things we talk about is like the difference between healthy tension and friction, because tension is necessary. If we think about the front end of a vehicle, tension actually holds the front end of that vehicle together, but, but friction blows the tire, 
right? And so I need, mm. well, I need tension. I mean, like I need accountability. I was in a meeting this morning with my team and I was like, I need you to hold me accountable to getting this done today. Okay. And, and so there's tension there, right? But friction, friction comes from value misalignment. And, and as a leader, when you start to really recognize that it gets easier to attract people when you're clear on your values, as much as, as much as it's easier to build a culture aligned with your values, as much as it is easy to elevate the people who are not aligned with your values. We had a, internally as an organization, we had a situation not that long ago where there was just there was just friction with an individual and we were trying to solve this problem. They were a part of the leadership team. And I came to the conclusion one day with my own leadership coach, and he said, I'm just recognizing as you're externally processing through this, that that individual does not activate at a high level with urgency. And I was like, oh, those are two interesting words. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, both those words resonate with me because they're part of my value system. We act with urgency. We activate with urgency. Yeah. And, um, and so when we looked at like what there was always the future was going to, things were going to be done in the future. They were never being done today with this individual. And we said, man, we're a small organization with about 40 employees with a massive dream. We have to have everybody all in. And you just know when you're all in, you're activating with urgency. And it gave us the clarity that we needed to move a different direction. But that was, there was misalignment there, which was friction. And every leader needs to be aware of that while they're recruiting, right? Because you can identify these things a lot of times. You can't, it's not always perfect. But a lot of times what happens as a leader, when you can communicate who you are, and that's an important thing, because when most people recruit, what they do is they sell the company and they sell the opportunity. Right. Yep. Right. And they say, we are the best at these things. And, and when, but with recruiting done right is actually communicating as a leader, your vision for the future, your values of who you are, and the reason why you do this beyond the money, you know, beyond the transaction. And when you can communicate those things to people, it's just clarity. Clarity of communication is very polarizing. And when you think about polarization, this idea that you can push people away, but you will also pull people towards you where there's value alignment. And most leaders never come to that big aha. So what they do is they just sell, sell, sell. And when you do that, you can attract anybody if you, if you sell well. And that becomes problematic because you can build a team that you actually don't love. Yeah. And we've done that. We've definitely had some of those. And the, it, you said it perfectly. The friction is what caused it just to like, this is not working. <laughs> this is not working. Right. And we've ended, you know, with almost everyone on good terms, which is, you know, great. And so, you know, as we wrap up our episode here, I wanted to just kind of ask two last questions, which, you know, one of them is you shared some, a couple things, but has there been a client, somebody that you've worked with that, you know, they had, there was some impact that they had from working with your coaching program that you didn't expect, or it was something that just really touched you? A lot, you know, a lot of people think when they show up with a recruiting coach, they think they're, the, I think what people think like in the box, a recruiting coach is responsible for holding you accountable for, you know, making sure you're making your dials and you're doing some specific set of behaviors. But what I've found is that there's this intersection where great leaders um, are great recruiters. And so this intersection where great leadership intersects with great recruiting. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've had I was actually in a con I had a meeting this um, right as before I came into this. And I was with a group of leaders at a company and they were I was challenging them to create content 
for their social platforms and the week before they said that they would and none of them in the group of five actually did. And so I, I said, let me just show you how easy content creation is. We had 15 minutes left in that coaching session. I said, I bet we can create somewhere around 15 to 20 content pieces in 15 minutes. And so let's just try this. And so I asked the question, I said, who's been over the last decade, who's been the most influential leader in your life? And I want three reasons why that is true. And we went around the room. And I mean, in 15 minutes, we had an enormous amount of content because they were using they were using quotes, they were sharing names, they were telling stories. And they were doing it kind of in like a rapid fire method. And we, the last person went and uh, he said, it's actually been you. <laughs> I, was like, well, I, wasn't, I wasn't looking for, you know, I wasn't looking for accolades in this meeting. I was really trying to pull it. He said, no, seriously. He's like, I've never had anybody that's created the framework that you helped us create, which is like a process and a sequence that we follow. And he's like, Richard, in the last eight weeks, we've had more results in eight weeks than we've had in the prior eight years as a group, as a team recruiting successful salespeople. And that, that to me is, um, I mean, Megan, I was in your role as a leader in the industry for 15 years. And I think I probably got three handwritten notes in 15 years um, mm -hmm. from people saying, thank you, you know, at some level. As a coach, I get them almost weekly. I'll get one or two every single week. So to do what I do, it's just, um, this is the most rewarding thing I've ever done is getting to take a clear, concise framework and to really teach people as much as I'm coaching them how to go be a successful leader and then recruiting is really secondary because great leaders are attractive. Great leaders are magnetic. We all want to work with for great leaders. No, absolutely. And, you know, the question I was going to ask as a follow up, what you kind of answered is, you know, what what's one thing, one thing somebody could do if they haven't started taking a step, but it sounds like creating content is really the start and can people find some of the processes that you talk about in your book on the podcast you know what's the best place for them to check out the things that you talk about yeah so the recruiting conversations i was blown away i mean there's 74 episodes there i wish i um I, you know originally started that was going to cut it each week and i did for a long time but it's been such a busy season our business has blown up over the last five years that i just haven't had the time to but there's 74 episodes there today. And ultimately you can get about 30% of my coaching for free. And that was really the intent of the podcast because like we recognize like we have got to become people of value ourselves if we're going to become people of success. So we leave it there on purpose. And that's been, uh, that's a really cool resource for you. You can take the journey of getting about 30% of the coaching directly through that. We are launching this book and this book wasn't even planned. I mean, the book that we, we did the intro was The Attractive Leader. That book is almost done. About three weeks ago, literally three weeks ago, I'm sitting with my leadership team. I just had this aha, we have got to get a guide to people so that great leaders understand the importance of uh, around why they should be activating in social but then understand the data around it is saying that it works. And we've got our own stories because we represent about 60 executive leaders and every org, I mean, every organization we represent double digit growth year over year because the leaders are active in social. When I say active, not creating these generic marketing memes, but, but really truly humanizing the leaders of the organization. And so we just said a few weeks ago, like, let's bring the whole team together. We've got seven writers. We have like eight video creators. We have, uh, we've got people on our team that have a master's degrees in social media. And we've got all of the things, the experiences that we've had in the coaching and all the success stories. 
that we just put everybody together one project and said in six weeks we're launching this book and a guide along with it with an nft project um and so that would be a great place for people that are like hey i want to win at recruiting let me just say this it always starts with a heart posture of value i can give you the plan but if you're not a leader who has a heart posture that really, truly wants to bring value to people, and I say value, no strings attached kind of value, not the kind of value tied to success, that leader wins when they have an actionable plan around it. I love that. And so we will put in the show notes, the website and for both Richard's podcast and your website, which could you share with everyone um, what your website is and the best way to get a hold of you, Richard? Yeah. Uh, if you go to 4C, the number four, the letter C, recruiting.com, uh, you can connect with us there. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can also set a meeting directly from the website with me. I've got a live calendar, bookrichardnow.com, and you can actually schedule a meeting with no strings attached if I can be a person of value in your own life. I'm all, always about that. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Megan.